Hey everyone, this is Peter Levin, and you're listening to another episode of In Good Hands, a show about the companies and founders solving our climate crisis. Today, I interviewed Jacob Jonk, co-founder and CEO of Simple Feast. Simple Feast is an organic, plant-based food company that delivers weekly boxes of ready-to-eat meals straight to your doorstep. And some of the key differences between Simple Feast and other meal kit companies is they are totally uncompromising. This means they work with local farms to get the freshest food, right? They gather it in the early part of the week, and then they make the food fully prepared and deliver it on the back half of the week. In addition to being the freshest meal kits available, they are totally uncompromising on the ingredients. We're talking whole foods, no additives, delicious menus that would make the most devout meat lovers blown away that they just ate vegetables. And so in the episode, Jacob and I'll discuss his first venture, Endomundo, which was one of the first pioneers in fitness tracking, growing that company to tens of millions of users, selling it for tens of millions of dollars, and how exactly those experiences led to the Simple Feast Eureka moment. We'll talk about some of the learnings in operating a fitness tracking startup, some of these discoveries around incentives and accountability, and whether or not some of those things carry through to food and dieting. After that, we'll dive into the product offering today and how exactly they're able to deliver an uncompromising experience from farm to table. And finally, we'll talk about the moonshot potential for a company like Simple Feast. Y'all, this is one of the most thought-provoking and fun conversations we've had in the pod. I am psyched for you all to listen to it. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jacob Chunk, co-founder and CEO at Simple Feast. Jacob, welcome to the show. Thank you. Super happy to be here. Jacob, this has been one of the trickier jump off points for me because I am fanboying big time over your resume. But I think before we get into your background, let's just set the stage. What is Simple Feast? Yeah, that's a good question. Simple Feast, we we put ourselves into this world to restore human and planetary health. So that's why we're here. And we're trying to use food as the ammunition to arm the troops to get the job done. And it's more difficult than it seems. But what, how that comes out in real life is that we serve people a box of food once a week and people would refer to it as a meal kit. But in reality, we're doing 90% of the cooking for people. And so it's sort of like family sharing style experience, 100% organic, all plant-based, super delicious food done by Michelin star chefs. And that's what's the way we ventured into the to, to how we wanted to deal with the health issues of the world and the planetary issues of the world. We ventured in for dinner first, and, and since then we've moved on to dealing with other occasions during the day where we feel there's a strong need to have organic, whole foods, clean, no additives, no preservatives, any kind of funny stuff going on, and really serve that up in a sort of a, a farm-to-door manner to uh, to people wherever they are really and they don't have to be vegans as a matter of fact we're catering to to the meat eaters as much as anybody else so that's that we're trying to do that's amazing i think if there's someone who's going to pull off delicious meals delivered to your doorstep 
it's going to be someone like you, right? This isn't your first hurrah. So <laughs> if we rewind, give the listeners just a bit of context around what you were doing before Simple Feast and how those experiences led to the Eureka moment or some event that yeah. led to the starting of Simple Feast. Yeah, it's uh, it's always funny when you look back at your life. It's that's where the threat appears. As whereas you're living it, you don't really you don't really pay attention to the choices that you make until after the fact. But I've been involved in health and fitness. I was an athlete myself for many years, and I've been involved in health and fitness tech in that space for a long time. We I was uh, founding a company back in 2007 that was the first mobile tracker using GPS. In the phone back then when that was absolute novelty it was even before the iphone got the gps and we wrote that to build a, a really tangible community called endomondo which was out of europe and but but went global and eventually moved to to the valley and up in, in marin and san francisco and joined a company called my fitness pal which does the calorie counting and uh, nutrition tracking and actually those two companies were the first two to merge the automatic integration between the two data sets and so I was heavily involved in building these big communities and, and tools to help people live a better life. And but late 2014, early 2015, those companies were acquired by um, Under Armour. And I set out then to build Simple Feast really as an almost like an antidote to the tech space in the sense that what what I found to be tremendously difficult for people as you're looking to live a healthy life is to get the food component together as a convenient solutions in your life. And it's really hard for people to change behavior, but, but the essence of healthy eating is actually not very complicated. So you, you can look at all these diets out there and you can read all these books, but, and it's complicated as you work your way through it. But in essence, it's super, super simple. If you eat or another way to say it, the more vegetables you eat, the more whole they are, the higher the likelihood that you're going to have a really good life. And it's actually on a sort of a scale from, from one to 10, it's a heck of a lot more important than how physically active you are. They go hand in hand, but what you put in your stomach, how you feed your microbiome has direct impact on the energy flow during the day, your brain health and all the lifestyle diseases that you can think of, it's all connected. And obviously physical, just being physical in general and doing sports or whatever it is that you like to do is important. But if you were to choose, 80% of that equation is really what you put, put in your mouth. And the rest is like exercise and sleep, et cetera. So that's how I ventured into food. It was like, this problem has to be solved and we need to create the solution rather than telling people what they do wrong and incentivize them to doing something different. Yeah. So you've got my wheels turning. My first gut reaction to what you're saying is I don't know if you are a masochist or crazy because if you look at <laughs> look at the timelines, like Jacob, guys, listeners, Jacob glossed over this, but between Endomondo and my fitness pal, we're talking tens of millions of users. Everyone knows my fitness pal, and Endomondo was like the pioneer. So you set off this whole trend around tracking, making sure that your your fitness was tightly integrated with how you moved and engaged with technology. That was then acquired for 
many millions of dollars. And then if I look at the timelines, right, I can see gets acquired, right? This is in 2015. And then the same year you decide to launch a new startup. Yeah. So that, that was a mistake, by the way. I should have waited a little while. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. So you are an involuntary masochist. Good to know. So what I want to double click into here, because your experience understanding how people engage with fitness, right? It's so interesting because fitness in and of itself is a quite simple thing, just like the act of moving or lifting mm. things with some type of like calculated pressure. But it seems like the problem across the average person is accountability, right? It's an easy thing to do, but it's harder to keep yourself accountable. And one could argue that it's the same set of challenges with food. It's pretty easy, at least from a high level, that you should be eating whole foods, but it's really hard to keep yourself accountable. So I'm wondering, how did some of your discoveries or learnings operating at the highest level at the forefront in fitness tracking and engagement carry through to your work now at Simple Feast? Yeah. Uh, wow. I, I love hearing how you uh, interpret the story. You know, as, as an entrepreneur, you always experience a little bit differently, but it's true. It, it, it all, it's crazy to look back at, but I think uh, what really dawned on me after these companies were acquired and it, it was, I learned over the course of time that, that building these, that most of the time we were preaching to the choir. So you would have like maybe one out of a hundred, maybe more, but in all essence, really just a fraction of people who successfully were able to change their life. And, and the numbers speak for themselves. Whether you're in the US or whether you're in Europe or even in Asia these days, the number of people that are turning overweight and are bees are higher than they've ever been. And the share of the healthcare spending that's that's gone into lifestyle diseases in any given European, Western European and North American country is up between 80 and, uh, and 85%. So we, we spend an awful lot of time and energy on not being successful with the lifestyle change. And I think ultimately what we built is we built a, a lack of incentives or like, like almost like a food jungle that's really hard to navigate. And when you see the, when you're naturally uh, motivated, which I am, to be physically active and learning over time, to pay close attention to what your body tells you, not just read the science, but just pay attention to how you feel when you're eating and what goes with that. Then most people don't have the time or the interest or, or for whatever reason, find it difficult to do, but most people want to get there. They want to get there, but they don't want to do. So then in, in building in the mundo and my fitness pal, what I realized that was extremely cyclical. Right? So in the world of dieting, January is the name of the game. And then the rest of the year declines. And it picks back up in January to an even higher extent and then declines the rest of the year and, and so forth. And it's the same whether you're in Germany or China or the US. It doesn't really matter. It's very cyclical. And what that tells you is it's extremely hard. So one of the first things that I, that, that I learned is and accepted, despite being counter to, to my own personality, is that change is incredibly hard and you have to accept it. Right? So you've, if you really want to help people change, the fundamental truth you have to accept is this is hard. And, and we all fall in. Like we all, but the, if I'm not active or eating well for two, three weeks, like I will just scream my lungs out because I want to get back to that feeling. 
But if you've been lost in translation for a long time, you don't know what it feels like. It feels like you got to get help to get there because the likelihood of you knowing how to prepare this kind of food or knowing how to put a, a training program together where you actually have the opportunity to sustain that over time, that's very low if you've been in the opposite part of the pool for just a few number of years. So just accepting that it's really hard also means that you can't just enable people to be motivated by tracking. You have to come up with solutions that are better, like that are actually better, not just so you don't create solutions because somebody tells you to lose weight or the doctor says you're going to die 15 years early, or you got to create solutions where you as a human being feel the same level of excitement that you do had you just ridden your first wave or something else that makes you really happy listening to music or in the world of food, a lot of particularly males like that steak with French fries. And so you really, you're competing with an experience of pleasure that you need to get to in, in the world of food so that people do that, not because they feel they have to, but because they want to. And that is the fundamental challenge that's extremely hard to, to solve for when you're in the line of business that we are. I think we're getting there, but that was the fundamental truth. And it, it sounds easier than it is. It took us three years from those two companies were acquired till we actually got our act together and found a way to make this food in a way where people were loving it. And mm -hmm. we did mistakes under along the way. We'd lost a few times where it did not work and where people were like on a scale from one to 10, they were rating the experience like at five, right? And we needed we needed those ratings to be up in the nines. We needed really people to love the experience, and and we needed that that whether they're male or female doesn't really matter to me. But it is the the biggest skepticism you get from this is from the the male part of the population. You, you get it from everywhere, but it it is really is male. But so the proudest moments of building this has always been when the husband or the boyfriend of some typically a female-led decision to eat more plants, writes a review stating something along the lines as, I can't believe I'm, I'm writing this. One, I never write reviews. Second, I always <laughs> thought plants were for rapids. And I, but I'm loving this and I don't know what to do with it. And those are the reviews that we live for. And that's when you coming from that kind of fitness community is all positive to that's, oh my God, we just changed a person's life for the okay. better and for the long term because they feel it. Uh, this is pretty incredible because the company is about to turn six, which means that after year three on, you went through those early obstacles. You've clearly nailed something, right? Yes. You nailed it. So let's laser in on what the offering is today. If yeah. I'm a prospective Simple Feast customer. Yeah. Why am I choosing to sign up and then continue to stay with Simple Feast long term? Yeah. So it, I'll walk you through the experience of what it is. And it's something here in the US and it's a little more evolved in Scandinavia because that's where we started. But what you basically get is you get a box of food for three days and it's dinner. And in Scandinavia, you can add other types of product, breakfast products and snacks and stuff like that. But here in the U.S., it's a dinner solution only, and the other things will be added along the course in, within a year. But what you get that food, and day one, it also is, it's prepared food. So 
it's typically a menu that consists of, to keep it super simple, it could be like a lasagna with two different kinds of really nice salads, some really nice dressings to go with it. And it's like that always. Sometimes there's a little bit of fermented products here and there's a little bit of the extra kind of spices. There's always kind of fresh herbs. And what you do is you mix the salad together, you heat up the lasagna and it's on the table. And that's a simple we, simple version that people can relate to. But but we have hundreds of menus. And what's what you then do is you just take one day at a time and you finish it in like 10 to 20 minutes. You put it on the table. You have an amazing plant-based, super tasty meal. And that menu changes by the week. So the principles that are built in, it's local farms, it's organic, it's whole foods. We don't use additives, no preservatives, no added sugar. You know, It's just really thought out what it is. We hit home on nutrition that's built in. It's full protein. You can be a beast of a human being if you want off of this diet or off of this food. And this is what you're getting and you put that on the table. So that's what took us three years to figure out. That was the solution. We had to innovate it to that level of experience that even here where I'm now in Santa Barbara, it's really hard to come by that level of experience when you go to a restaurant. It's, it's really hard anywhere in the world because what we did was we assembled a, a, a couple of handful of some of the best chefs in the world that are coming from the top 10 restaurants around the world here in the US and, and, and in Europe. And then we merged these guys with food scientists. And then we brought these things together and then we went from there. And But that's the basic experience you're getting. And, and the intent was to keep at this problem solving to say, hey, if we can convince you to do this for dinner, we can convince you to do it in other meal locations. And there aren't that many things out there that are whole foods, organic, always 100%, and have none of these things that they put in. And, and when you move that from the dinner experience, then we've moved into super surprising products that haven't existed before. So an example of that would be like, we don't do a ketchup. We do a black garlic fermented ketchup. That takes us 60 days to do. And it's obviously priced wow. significantly higher than the Heinz. But the sweetness and umami and the nutritional aspect that comes out of that is insane. We do an example like a pancake, high on protein, sugar-free, but yet really sweet breakfast pancake batter you just pour it in the pan and you have a bunch of, of, of pancakes that have none of the bad stuff in them only good and like we take really? waste product from beer production and there happens to be a lot of waste product product in that we take some of that and we it's full of protein we scale that up and we create a muesli out of it and you can put that on the plant-based yogurt that we also happen to to be fooling around with and so those are like examples of how do we bring a completely new philosophy where we work at the, at the microbe level to come up with very different ways of creating taste and experiences than what the food industry has traditionally done? So we use fermentation. We use koji processes. We use like ancient, like thousands of years old processes. And this is not my invention, by the way. This is like recognizing that we needed some superstars that from the culinary world match with scientists to really invent an entirely new kitchen. And, and, and with that, an entirely new infrastructure serving that kitchen. So it's, it sounds simpler than it is, but when you get that box, you get everything. You get the health, you get the taste, you get biodegradable packaging. As a matter of fact, in Europe, we have a, a circular packaging model. 
So the outer box is put back into the loop, washed and then back out there. It's enabled by technology. So it's zero waste. It's not even biodegradable. It's the next level. It's, it's through and through from connecting directly with the ceramic farmers till it hits your door and then back. It really just is a, like an uncompromising experience, I would say, that, that we're trying to deliver on. That more than anything resembles going to a, a really good plant-based restaurant on a, on a Monday night. Jacob, I am freaking sold. I'll tell you, <laughs> my fiance and I have tried every meal kit that's available. Blue Apron, Bob, I don't even remember their names. For One of our biggest pet peeves, and it's simple, but was the fact that they weren't prepared. And I get there's an audience of people who love the process, put it all together, cut it up, spend an hour and a half, even though the box says 20 minutes, (laughs) you know? And the beauty here, it's just simple things. Like you are just understanding that, yes, there are some occasions where people love that, but on average, people prefer the convenience of everything you said and being able to heat it up and put it on a table. That is like a massive differentiator. And then you talk about this ketchup, the pancakes, the list goes on. I'm wondering, I'm on the website now and it it seems to me like the only way I can engage with the service is on a subscription basis. I get two to three meals, and then rinse and repeat. But what if I wanted those products? What if I wanted to buy the Simple Feast ketchup, the Simple Feast yeah. pancakes? Yeah. How is that something you're exploring? What, what are your thoughts on that front? Yeah, it's a good question. First of all, what you see here in the U.S. is still we're still testing out, right? So we're serving L.A. and Santa Barbara, and that's it. And all we're trying to do is learn from this part of the world of the exact menu that solves for the same things and if there are differences to make sure that we solve for those before we we try to go beyond that so you're seeing a really simplified version of what the totality of simple feast is in the nordics uh, in scandinavia what we have is the ability for you to fill in more stuff in the basket. So we have about 25 different products that are along the lines of some of the the pancake batter and the ketchup that I just mentioned. And you can create your own box out of that. And both for the dinner, as well as the, all the other things, you can pause, cancel, skip through mobile at, at a click. So it's a subscription because it's, it's the most convenient thing for people, but you can really just going out of it as, as you want. And that we're bringing in to the U.S. here in the fall. And then we did an interesting thing that I never expected to do when we started the company. Because one of, one of the things that, we, that you have to understand, I think, moving into a physical industry, and it took me quite a while to, to get it, but it is the fact that we have not just a broken system from a planetary perspective, but we also have a broken food system from a health perspective. And the, the key challenge is, that we have an entire system wherever we are in the world that is designed to meet the requirements of retail like it's designed to go for you to go or order from a supermarket and what that means for food is you're up against shelf time because for those supermarkets to make sense whether it's physical and to very large extent also online only players that's shelf time they need to be able to have that on the shelf to be able to sell it 
in the next month or two. And if you can't meet those requirements, it's really tough to be in that channel. Now, when you're in the fresh food business and you don't follow these principles where you can put all these additives in and preservatives and sugar and salt and all this stuff, not that we don't have salt in the food, but those are only there for that particular reason. This is why you can go into a supermarket and find a pesto and it will stay good for 12 months. Like you do a fresh pesto, people know that's going to go bad in four to five days. It's meant to go bad. It's free food. I mean, it's fresh food. So you have to cut basically mess with the food to serve the way that is expected in the industry, the way it's been built ever since the Second World War and up until today. So you really have to rethink and then you have to work with partners that are capable of delivering this promise to the consumer in a different way. And in, in the Nordics, we started testing this out with an online only supermarket where we, so one of the key issues we've had is we're very good at serving and solving for couples and families, but we're terrible solving for singles. So if you're on your own and you work a lot and you, for whom this convenience, great solution is really something you need, we're serving you way, way too much food. And But the mechanics of going direct to consumer with the packaging and all the transportation, it doesn't make sense to serve one person from any angle, financial, environmental, it doesn't make sense. So what we, for two reasons, we, we wanted to make these other products available to more people and also singles. And so we also wanted to see if that dinner solution could work if you just were to get one meal at a time. So there we actually in February launched with a full assortment online supermarket. And I can tell you, we're going to do the same here in the U.S. So we really, whether you're going direct to, to our customers or whether you'll find us in a very select number of, of uh, partners, is a really just the philosophy is like, we need to get this kind of food into the mouth of people to really change the world. And, and by doing so, we have to be, especially at the beginning, be very careful about not compromising on all the principles that we set out to be able to truthfully and, and thoroughly deliver on that promise. So there is no greenwashing, there is no fake in it. It's like through and through, we have nothing to hide. You can come into our kitchens at any given point in time and mm-hmm. it is what it is. So that's how we, we try to make the food more available. And I can tell you, if we talk in six months again, I would tell you about some products coming out that are, let's just call them alternative to something that are insane and that are done in ways that have never been done before and i think those are also products we're going to go hey the world needs this and we can't deliver that fast enough direct to consumer let's look at finding the right partners who can see the beauty of these principles and you have some very big players to understand what we're doing so we're, we're really trying to get this into the hands of more people but at the same time being respectful of how you do that in what order and what priority but the intent is that you can't get our food direct directly from us, or you can get it through, to begin with, online-only supermarkets. Because what they can do is, when we're done in our kitchen on Saturday evening, we can distribute to their warehouse. And as a customer, you can get it Sunday morning. And that's, that's when we are together with partners inventing a scenario where ideally we harvest on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and you get these products on a Saturday, Sunday. And that's how fresh and nutritious and tasty they need to be. And that's when you're delivering on that promise. So it doesn't happen every time, but it's we're getting closer. But that is the vision. We, we really want to bring that to people at scale, 
not just at a high-end restaurant where you pay 400 bucks for a dinner. So, yeah. Jacob, this is deeply thought-provoking and inspiring. And there's so many ways that I can jump off from here, starting with you being uncompromising. I think that is one of the most important principles here. If you look at recent news with 11 Madison Park, right? Yeah, I mean, one of Daniel the Hum. Yes, look at that. It is by like on paper one of the best restaurants in the world. Yeah, it was and one of the best ones, at least one. Yes. And known for the dishes that he infuses with meats, duck, chicken, etc. He reopens saying we're going fully meatless. And if you read in every interview that he's done, he would not reopen unless he could deliver on experience that says, yes, we are still Michelin star worthy. We are still world's best restaurant worthy. It's the same value that I see shining through in Simple Feast, uncompromising on the five-star freshest best food experience available to the consumer, plain and simple. Um, That's, I'm, so, I'm so happy you bring that example in. I had the, the opportunity to, to meet Daniel Hom a few years back, and that was before he did this. And we met for separate reasons, but I was eating at his uh, restaurant also at that point in time. And it, it's pretty clear that he's an outstanding chef. Like he really is. He's Swiss by background, and I don't know if people know, but he was on this on the Swiss national team as a mountain biker. He's my size. He's he's my height. He's like six four, six five. He runs a wow. marathon under three hours. The, wow. the guys the guy is truly uncompromising, and was very inspiring to meet him a few times and, and discuss different things with him. And then now to see that level of restaurant, not just committing for a season, like a summer or like a pop-up. But no, this is where the world needs to go. Hence, we, as one of the best restaurants in the world, is going to take that leap of faith and we're going to create that experience that is worthy of three stars or the top five list of the Pellegrino list. And we're going to deliver on that promise. And it's we have chefs from these places. We have chefs from the French Laundry and Noma and Adenea and the list goes on. But it's really... That's where I'm so inspired by these guys is because if you were to talk to our head of innovation, sometimes I, I refer to him as the head of uh, food ammo, but he doesn't talk necessarily about health or climate change. He does. He knows exactly the impact of what we're trying to do, but he always talks about taste. He's like, Jacob, essentially, we just need to win on taste. So it's amazing food that happens to be made out of plants. and that's a line. If we can get people to reflect on the experience as an afterthought that, oh, I guess this was plant-based, but I didn't even think about it as I went through the experience, then we're there, right? Then we're there. Mm -hmm. that, that's mm -hmm. when we're creating stunning change in the world because then you don't have to convince anybody. You will go there because that's where the party is the best. Yep. You know, that's where the people have the most fun. That's why you go there, not because somebody tells you to or that sense of the world is going under and this is all one big problem. No, this is where it's fun to be. This is where the opportunity is. This is where the future lies. And there's I'd energy in that. 
So big props to to Daniel Hum for for making that and being a shining light that inspires the rest of us. And and we've been at this for some years with the same philosophy, but we need more people like him to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So happy you mentioned it. Yeah. Just the idea of creating a food experience where meat eaters would be blown away by eating vegetables. And that rings true for all of the great companies of the last few years that have that had the thesis around that. And I can see it working for Simple Feast. I think another point that you brought up that is super resonant is just this notion of using real foods that aren't jam-packed with all of these fake things that make sure it can live on a shelf for many months. If you look at the stats of the annual average spend, I know this is in America, and my guess is it's in other developed nations. We used to spend 18% on food on an annual basis and only 9% on healthcare. And over the last three decades, those percentages have switched. And you can see how they are directly tied to how we eat our food. Everything is designed for ultra-commoditized and processed, super low cost, and at the expense of the health of the human race. And so to see y'all returning back to what food should be is just absolutely refreshing to, I think, all things food. We need – we if Simple Feast is going to will this wave into to existence, we need as many <laughs> – it kind of efforts and initiatives as possible to help switch those percentages back. Yeah. Isn't that crazy though? Just to rip up a little bit of off of your comment there of how those numbers are flipping in 30 years. That's mind blowing. Yet mm-hmm. we never discuss it. Like we just went through a pandemic that is what are the numbers now? Two and a half million people dying mm-hmm. from the pandemic in about a year. Right. You look at the combined lifestyle diseases that are basically a reflection of people not eating enough whole food plants. You're looking at more than 30 million people a year dying from this year after year, and the numbers are only growing. And somehow we've accepted it because that doesn't challenge the healthcare systems the way a sudden pandemic does. And then the pandemic comes and who's suffering? the very same people that are challenged to begin with from a healthcare perspective. That's why if you go into the political space, Boris Johnson, the prime minister of the UK, coming out of his disease with the basic notion saying, I almost died here. And the reason is I'm overweight and I eat shitty food. So let's try to ban all kinds of advertising for junk food, which obviously Mm -hmm. created quite the stir in the UK. To have the prime minister say, going out to say to 3,000 companies that you can no longer market your food. <laughs> but it's a testament to a, a leader, whether you like him or not, and I'm still undecided. But, you know, it's a testament to a, a leader saying he connected the dots. Because how is it that what you're just describing, 18 to 9% flipping in, in, in the worst of directions, and we somehow accept that as the new normal? That should not be the new normal. Mm-hmm. It, it really should be the opposite. So it's just a comment of that. It's, uh, it's, it, that but that's how groundbreaking, that's how big the challenge is. And that's how much work we have to do, which to us is encouraging because we see people want it. 
You just have to create it. You have to create these experiences. Then people mm-hmm. will follow. Right? Yeah. Jacob, you've got my wheels turning so much. I could, I feel like I could speak to you for hours and hours geeking out. What I want to do actually is dive into something that is tangential to the company building experience. You've rocked the product. And I'm so enthused. I cannot wait till you make your way to New York City. I know Blair's over here on mute. I'm sure she's probably feeling the same way. But what I'd love to understand is now that you're Santa Barbara local, but you have a whole team in Copenhagen, from someone in the driver's seat, I guess, one, why did you decide to relocate to Santa Barbara permanently? And two, what is it like operating a company with teams in two disparate parts of the world in two disparate time zones? And how do you make the wheels turn? How do you make sure the puzzle pieces fit together? Wow. Yeah. You, I think you mentioned that I was a masochist in the beginning. And I think that's probably part of it. It's, <laughs> it may very well have been one of the hardest decisions I've done in a long time. No. So, so to answer your question, I, I was in California once for four years and ended up going back to Copenhagen because at the time, at the point in time, it still is to a very large extent, um, one of the biggest centers of high-end cuisine and food development in the world. It really is. You've got people from around the world going to Copenhagen, staying in Copenhagen, and the environment within that scene is second to none. It really is an incredible place for food. It wasn't like that 20 years ago. So I went back there and, and really built Simple Feast for Sweden and Denmark, following the philosophy, if we can make it there, we could make it anywhere. And, and I say that because people don't realize it, but before Blue Apron came along, you'd had this service in Scandinavia for 10 years. So this was not a novel idea in Scandinavia. This is where the idea originated from. And this is what Blue Apron, they took a lot of pages out of those companies' book and, and took it to the U.S. And so did HelloFresh. So that's all good. But so we launched in a market that was highly competitive. And then we thought, okay, we actually made it there. And, and I will tell you, that in itself is a really good thing. I, that was a challenge to serve. Denmark is the biggest meat producing country per capita in the world. I don't think people know that. So 60% of all land that we have in the country over there is farmland. And 80% of that is used to basically grow animals. There is nowhere in the world that we slaughter more animals per capita every year in year out. As a matter of fact, when we then incorporate the feed that goes into that production, the entire size of Denmark is not enough to serve the animals that we're producing. And then we said, then we come up with this solution as the only one in the industry saying, no, it's got to be plants. And, and by the way, we're targeting meat eaters, not vegans. And so when we got there, we're like, okay, we saw some success. We, we, we found a solution. We found a product that people love. We're way into to the non-vegan crowds. We're way into like regular families that are really seeing a difference in their life. Then the next question is, great, if you really want to impact, you really want to make a difference, then Scandinavia is not very big. They're small countries. Like Denmark is the size of the Bay Area. Sweden is a lot bigger by geography, but again, 8 million, 9 million people. Those are small countries. So if you really want impact, you got to move. And, and for me to move back to California, where a lot of my soul, for whatever reason, has always felt at home and my kids too, I think that was personally like a good choice. 
But then you also look at, okay, you can go to the next European country. That would be like Germany or the UK. And what people fail to realize is that the, the, not just the language barrier between these countries, but it also is a barrier of food culture and culture in general and playbooks, et cetera, that are very different. And they don't scale. So what you do in, in Berlin and Munich is not going to necessarily work in London and vice versa. Even between Denmark and Sweden, where we look at each other as probably brothers when we look to the Swedes, brothers and sisters, is how we look at each other. We're so close in, in history. Even though we speak different languages, we really just we, we looked apart, even though we're different. So we look at how do you take that company and take it global? How do you become a relevant global player now that you have something core that really works? The only natural step was to go to the U.S. to prove that we're globally relevant. And then we look within the U.S., it's, it becomes very apparent that California is really the farmland of the U.S., for obvious reasons of the climate, the Mediterranean climate. If you then look specifically into the organic produce section, then California stands out even further. If you then look into what's going on from Italian perspective and plant-based eating perspective, again, California stands out. So for us, it was like great farmers out here. We're B Corp certified, really amazing Patagonias down the street, more or less. And a lot of other B Corp certified companies in the area, Peel, and there's a lot of companies here that have brought the different kinds of the same philosophy to life and amazing farmers and amazing talent. And then we could serve two really big metropolitan area from one big kitchen, which in our case is an auctioner an hour north of LA. Then it felt like the only place for us to go. So how do you then manage that? That's difficult. How do you manage a nine-hour time difference? The, the good news is we've been around over there for, for a number of years, and we've been live in the market since December 2017. So we have a pre- pretty senior team. We know what we're doing. We've been there before. This is year four we're acting in. So there aren't that many surprises as there is when you go into California and or any new geography, basically. And you have to, there's a lot of stuff you have to learn from the ground up. And it's, that takes six to 12 months for any company going in. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's the challenge. And it is a challenge. But at the same time, I think it comes back to how do you build culture? And because that's the one that's going to survive. It's one thing to have a clear mission. But the next thing is to how do we, how do we have people involved that by the sign of the culture and how they are as human beings, are naturally leading and continue to lead despite me or somebody else leading the company not being there. And I think we've been lucky to hire amazing talent in the Nordics as we're also here in, in Santa Barbara and LA. And, and ultimately, that's what that's to make it happen. Is it easy? No, I wouldn't say that. And, and could I have changed the timing, to be honest? The pandemic, not being able to travel. So right now, I can't go to Europe and come back to the US. It's literally impossible. You can't go to a Schengen country and go back into mm-hmm. the U.S. Visa or not, wow. doesn't matter. So right now, we physically cannot visit each other. <laughs> so that kind of just added a whole layer wow. of complexity to that journey, other than the hiccups of the pandemic and what else we've been faced with. But I will say that we'll get over and on the other side. But those are the challenges that you are facing. But given the opportunity that's in front of us, I do that again in a heartbeat. And, wow. and as it, it's not your first company, then you're also like, 
you also know that you go through this and it's uh, you just got to stay with it and mm-hmm. and go through it and then those growing periods or pains of any company they always they always come and they go and once you once you've seen it a few times you you get more accustomed to it and you start having more faith in the journey and that's how we're coping with it and but wow. truth be told for, for me personally i i uh, i love california and i think it's the right thing to do for from pretty much every angle so we'll we'll find a way for sure and it's <laughs> It's a testament to the strength of the organization, not being able to have the leader in person, rubbing shoulders with the teammates. It's a hard thing. But now that we look beyond the pandemic, we're, we're right. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're right there. Yeah. And I, I don't like asking questions that forecast beyond the next year. And as much as people like to say they're great at planning – even planning the next month is challenging. So my, my question for you is, what are priorities A, B, C over the next yes. 12 months for Simple Feast here in the US? Yeah, the number one priority for us, I would even say one, two, three. That is to make sure that the customer has an amazing experience. That's like number one, two, three. And the way that we look at that is that we measure it by two core metrics. One is the food ratings, basically like what are the live reviews that people are getting through the app or through the website on our food? And how does that stack up against what we're used to and what we've seen in other countries through the history of the company? And secondly, what we do over longer term, we look at what are the cohorts look like? So how sticky is the product, which is basically the best indicator you can find that are answering the fundamental question, are people going to stick around as in as a reflection of, do they really like the food? Or is it just something they say when they're nice to you as reviewing the food? And we've been live for five months now. And so I've got about four months of good data. And, and what I can see is we have the best ratings we've ever seen. We have the best cohorts we've ever seen. So check mark on those two. We still have a lot of work to do following the same two core metrics, but that is number one, two, and three. When we then start seeing this, then the next question is, okay, how do we put ourselves in a situation where we can start growing without too many growing pains? And so we have our kitchen opening up. So we don't run warehouses like other meal kits because we cook the food. We run kitchens and they're very big. So we have a big kitchen in Oxnard that's opening in about a month from now. And from then on, we don't really have a ceiling to how many people we can serve. So that's a clear, another goal in the next 12 months is to get into that facility, get our people into it, train them, work with them to deliver on the quality and the promise to the consumer and really get that up and going. And then, and thirdly, what we want to break into is work with the right partners, really. And I'm talking about people who can be impactful and we're good for them as well as they're good for us in the sense of bringing this story to life in a relevant U.S. manner. And that could be partners we partner up with. That could be supermarkets. It could be companies. We're helping employees that are working from home. What's happened in the past year is people have become really unhealthy because they stopped moving. And we can provide that for companies or whether it's people with a large following that are so on message where we find out that it's a good opportunity to actually partner up on bringing that message loud and clear to scale, really. 
So those are the those are the things we're looking at for the first for the first twelve months here in the U.S. And, and that's the last piece. If if we're twelve months out from now, and and have not launched some of these super innovative new products, I would be disappointed. But it's more it's more like a spider, right? Like what defines a uh-huh. business right now is just core getting it out there, get the food out there, and then follow up with this ins- insane innovation that I hopefully we can discuss at some other time when, when we're closer to to actually getting it out there. But those are the priorities. Hey, tap me in. I'm sure you got an infinite number of taste testers, but if you got an empty spot or if you want to give one of them the boot and replace him with someone else, <laughs> sign me up, man. Next time you're in Santa Barbara, you should, you should come by and taste some of it. And then I can share what it is. <laughs> Oh my just, God! Easy, just not yes. Ready, just not ready to do that publicly yet. For sure. <laughs> so, Jacob, I got two more questions. The first one, if if you will, I'd love to pitch you an idea. Is that cool with you? That's super cool. I live here in the city. I would say four to five days of the week. I'm ordering. Right, Uber Eats. Now we have Deliver Zero, which is nice, waste-free packaging. And I've been talking about, at least I've been sifting through my head, this idea of like, how do we make comfort food a little bit more healthy? Because my my question, my my thesis is that it's very unlikely that people will stop desiring at least the pleasures of comfort food, fries, wings, etc. And if you look at the advent of the air fryer, the air fryer has been all the jazz over the last two two years here in the States. Why can't you create a delivery-only chain, right, available on all the delivery apps called Air Fried? And it that's exactly what it does. It delivers on your favorite comfort foods that are air fried, right? So you got X percentage less oils. And so you can say, hey. We're not going to be the healthiest option, but we're going to be a better option for you, and we're still going to be damn good. What do you think, bullish or bearish? <laughs> <laughs> bullish. I like it. <laughs> Here's one comment to the idea, and that's the name uh-huh. that you have, comfort food. Uh-huh. So this is what you can't see in the U.S., but we have a whole line called comfort foods. <laughs> and what they are is they're built – it's food in a jaw. And uh-huh. it's, it could be like veggie bolognese, or it wouldn't be like the air fried version, but it was like basically you can heat it up in five minutes and they're done on all the same beautiful principles that we stand for. Uh, yet by nature of this secret way we do it, we have a natural shelf time without any of the fun in it, funny magic, and it gives you easily a month. So that you can buy wow. from us in bulk and put in your fridge. And you and and the the crazy thing about this the, the the technique we're using with this particular style of food is that the taste deepens when you reheat it. So it's that's our version of comfort food, but it's not the uh, air dry. I will just take note of that one and put it in the put it in the books. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm gonna flip the script on you. It's my signature question, the last question of every interview around this notion of the idea graveyard. What is one idea that you'd love to work on if you had the time to do, but for now, is just rotting away in your idea graveyard. Within the realm of a simple feast in our philosophy, I assume. 
anything. Anything is fair game. Anything is fair game. <laughs> oh my god! Like you're talking to a entrepreneur. Like I have new ideas every day. That's one of my key challenges. Is that's my. Not, that's what I'm talking about. Do not about. do shit. <laughs> you know, do not do shit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, I'll answer your question in, in, in kind of twofold. So, because we are these people that are so into all these kind of really in-depth new ways of doing stuff, we we just launched a new company out of Simple Feast. That's a, it's a circular packaging company. Really, it's a, it's packaging as a service that makes packaging as easy to reuse as single use is today. And we launched that company and funded it separately. And there are days where I was like, oh. Why did I have to do that too? But now there's an amazing <laughs> team driving it <laughs> and they're set off to do their own thing. And there's another hundred ideas in the book, but I think I'm going to lay low with those uh, for a while because it, it goes, you know, when you look, really start looking into sustainability and healthy, any kind of health, really, it's a land of opportunity. It's This is not a cost driver. This is a major challenge, but it, more than anything, it's an opportunity. And, and there's so many ways you can solve these issues. And I think private companies is an excellent way to do it. Within Simple Feast, there's probably one thing that is so tied in to the philosophy. Where So we've worked with fermentation and koji processes for quite a while, for years. We have pretty deep R&D stuff going on that has been going on for years. But because it's different by nature and design of, of, of how other companies have done this, there's some of this invention that we're not going to bring to market right now. And I wish I could. So if you, for instance, look at Impossible and Beyond Meat, that are companies that are super relevant for a lot of people, I think those that's an area where they think there is another way to do to solve the same problem but from a holistic way that's better all around. And it really comes down to the philosophy where in order to really do good for the world, it's a full circle. It's all connected. Mm -hmm. And that's what's mm -hmm. difficult for people to understand. It really starts with healthy soil, not create healthy plants. It also happens to sequester carbon in the most effective ways possible. You got those two going for you. Then you got a healthy plant that is really just the base of human health and it also then happens because the flow of it also happens to be the base of planetary health and if you in any part of that equation think that you can shortcut it then you're not really doing what you could do so if you take that philosophy to the end and i know it's a little kind of saying without really saying but i'm just saying that there are ways to look at what used to be meat or what used to be dairy or used to be other things that are mimicking an old world that could be done in a very different way than I think what I've seen the industry do so far. And some of those projects, I will kill myself if I bring them out in the next 12 months. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have the bandwidth. <laughs> Jacob, you are so freaking spot on. Every great company at one point will get disrupted by the next best version of itself. Right now, Impossible is the hero. You look at Beyond that has some differences, but same with Oatly, right? Oatly, oh, it's the plant-based alternative. It's so much better than the incumbent options. And 
great in many ways, and I'm I love what they've done, but that product is not good for humans. Loaded, loaded with canola oil, and so what you just said rings absolutely true. All of these companies that we look to today as being like the tentpole for all things why plant based gets us so pumped about a future that gets us not missing or having major FOMO over meat. There will be another wave that says, all right, we're going to deliver on that, but we're not going to compromise on the building blocks of these foods. So yeah, I'm super aligned with that thesis. Uh, Wow. Yeah. I love what you just said. And I could talk for another 30 minutes about this, <laughs> but uh, for many reasons, I'm not going to do that. But yeah, I'm as excited about that perspective of the future as you are. And, and I really think that, that, that there is a lot of opportunity there to help people in, in the best of ways. And, uh-huh. and with that, cre- create amazing companies. So Jacob, so. I'd love to roll out the red carpet. Are there any final call to actions, hiring needs, anything that you want to leave with our listeners? The floor is yours. <laughs> I will take it outside our own company. I would be more than thrilled if we get the opportunity to serve any American in any way, uh, big or small. But I would also just encourage people, if that you're in, in somehow disenfranchised by the complexity of climate change or health change, just remember that just that one step is the most important. And it doesn't matter that you're not perfect. It all counts. It really doesn't matter. One meal counts. Five meal counts more. Ten even better. And that's what I'm hoping people will, will start to realize more and more. That perfection does not exist. It's not about creating this vegan utopia. It is about getting people into a different way of life. And that life can be much more beautiful than where we came from. And all you have to do is to take that first step. And yeah, so that's kind of the message that I that I want to share with everybody at any point in time. We we every we need you. We need people, more people, faster to be able to change this for the better. So that's my hope. Jacob, I had high expectations for this conversation and and I'm not saying this just to cheerleader fanboy, but far exceeded my expectations. This has been such a pleasure. Congrats on all of your success and thank you for your involuntary masochism. I can't (laughs) wait to meet you in person. I can't wait for Simple Feast to make its way to the East Coast. And I also can't wait for round two when you can start talking about some of these inventions in the pipeline. Yeah. Hey, um, right back to you. Love being part of this amazing conversation. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jacob. Hey there, you made it to the outro. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you're new here, welcome. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much. We're actively casting for new guests on our show. So if you have a rock star founder or company in mind that's working on something cool, message me on Instagram at Peter A. Levin or email us hello at ingothands.us. Thank you so much again and look forward to bringing you another new episode next Tuesday.